0: Hello and welcome to the Glop Culture Podcast. That's me, Rob Long, Jonah Goldberg, and John Podoritz. And we are coming at you from ricochet.com. If you are listening to this podcast for the very first time, welcome. We are glad to have you. Of course, if you've listened to it for a while, we're also glad to have you. But no matter what, you should know that this comes to you from ricochet.com. Ricochet.com is the fastest growing, most interesting, wittiest most civil conversation on the web among and between our contributors and members on the center, right?
1: You take that back. You whore. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, let me get through it. You, but uh, in order for us to continue to deliver this to you, we really do need you to join. It's not that much money. You get a whole bunch of other podcasts. You get a chance to really participate in some great conversations and you get a chance to join a movement that is going to win the country back. That's our goal. So uh, join it, join Ricochet um, I hate to keep asking you to do this, but I must do that because we have bills to pay and we'd hate for, you know, anything to happen to our nice little website, as the Bob used to say. Well, let's get right on to it. I am on the line, as you probably already know, because he interrupted me with Jonah Goldberg from Washington, D.C. Jonah, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. And also joining us is John Pedowitz in New
2: York City. John, Hello. how are you? How are you? I'm I'm well. I just came back from my uh, from my polling place where I cast a <laughs> sad and lonely vote for the for the uh, continued safety and security of New York City that will surely uh, end up uh, falling short tonight uh, as we are taping this on Election Day. Uh, with the victory of the single most left-wing candidate uh, in the history of New York City.
0: How left-wing is he? Now, now I was going to say, I, you know, John, you and I had dinner a couple times uh, uh, when I was in New York last week, or last month, and, um, and and all the New Yorkers I talked to were depressed and sad, and, and no, no one, I mean, I, even the people I expected to be excited about de Blasio were like, oh my god. If you're over a certain age, and you remember Dinkins, or pre-Giuliani, we should say, this guy has got to fill you with like,
2: terror, right? Right, well, it's not just that he is you know economically he's extremely left wing he is the candidate essentially of the local labor unions of a party called the working families party which made him which is <laughs> which basically is like- a construct a construct of the of the municipal, municipal workers unions um and he says things like A government is the spigot of economic growth, as he said in one of the debates. In other words, if you think about it, that means that they get to turn it off over here and turn it on right. over there as though as though they uh, – as and though government leaks. can do that sort of thing. Um, but it, it, it isn't just that uh, and it isn't just that he uh, – Represents a sort of uh, an ideological mindset that the last time it had real purchase and power in New York City, of course, the city uh, first went broke and then fell uh, to pieces in in, in a you know in a a crime wave and uh, general uh, menace and uh, public safety disaster that lasted uh, you know thirty years. It's that he believes Bill De Blasio the almost certainly next mayor of New York city believes that right. the bad times of New York city, that the worst time for New York city was the mayoralty of Rudy Giuliani, that it was harsh. It was mean. The cops were running rampant. Right. right. Um, and, uh, you know, and the, they mean to the homeless and, uh, and, and the city really divided and it was so divided. And well, you hear uh, that, for I the mean- rest of us, for the rest of us, uh, and for most New Yorkers, um, uh, the Giuliani years were the the glory years of New York City, in which New York was reclaimed. Right.
0: But you hear that from young people or, 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 or other hipsters like all the time, like, "Oh, you know, Times Square. Look at it; it's just a complete." He it, it disnified it. He it, it, Giuliani disnified things. So people say it because yeah. walking the street. Well, they said, they, they "Wait a, said a minute, how? This, wait, is, yeah. I don't know. Wait a minute, I really want to know how liberal is he? What's the? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this?
2: How so liberal, liberal is he? Jonah, Jonah, jump Jonah in. how liberal? Uh, is
1: okay, so, so first of all. When you said how left-wing is he, I thought we were going to have a nice sort of Carson moment of yeah. he's so left-wing he flies in circles or something. But um, today in page six, there is a story page six is about the New York Post's famous gossip uh, page. Right. There is a story about who De Blasio's first choice for school's chancellor is. Now. When I, I when I saw this, I put down my computer and I ran up and I went to my wife and I said, "Who's the most evil person? <laughs> Not for school's chancellor. Just who's the most evil person? De DeBasio, you know the, the and 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 he wants to put Randy Weingarten, the woman who w- w- happily went on Meet the Press to uh, defend uh, having pedophiles and drunks keep their teachers' salaries, you know. Right, right. Um, uh, she, is, she, is, she is the person who defends every teacher union horror story you can imagine, and he wants to hand the keys to schools over to her. But if that's not good enough... No, that's uh, not good enough. Off, he raised money for the Sandinistas. He subscribed to their newspaper. Uh-huh. He actually, if, like, you were writing in a show, you're trying to come up with a parody of what a left-winger <laughs> would do, it might be that he actually literally married a... Uh, African-American lesbian.
3: <laughs>
1: um, That's hot. That's really hot. You know, and so as we were saying in the pre-show... And like, then they honeymooned. And then they they violated the travel ban to Cuba the honeymoon, honeymoon in Cuba.
2: <laughs> so anyway, the point is... The point is he is a... He is a garden-variety New living. York City leftist. Yeah. And the interesting thing about New York City is that since 1977... It has fundamentally been governed from the center to the center-right. And, and now after – that's from the, the – except for the four years of, of David Dinkins in the middle, uh, which led to the election of Rudy Giuliani from Ed Koch's election in 1977 until 2013. That's 36 years with four years in the middle. Yeah. There was governance from the center to the center-right after the city nearly went broke. And after you know every sort of horror story that could happen in a so, sort of expansive government took place. And now yeah. we're throwing all <laughs> the cards in the air and saying, hey, let's – you know what? Yeah. We need change. Let's, but, let's yeah. have an incredibly left-wing guy run the city and that could be fun.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to – did he convert her?
2: I – you know I, what I think we don't need people can have multiple identities we don't need to categorize well, people
0: I mean I want to know did he take her to some is there some kind of a, a leftist Christian camp
1: where she went and Well it does raise a funny point is that supposedly yeah. whenever conservatives or evangelical Christians talk about curing quote unquote curing people of gayness and you know all of that stuff the left freaks out and it turns out all you need is some sweet, sweet loving from an overweight leftist guy like de Blasio. <laughs> right?
2: and he He's not you. overweight. He's not overweight. He's like six – he's like seven and a half feet tall. All right, so he's hot. He's hot. He, he's, he's a, a
1: hunk-a-hunk a hunk of,
2: hunk of Bolshevik <laughs> love. Listen, here's, here's, here's an important point that that no one has ever been able to explain to me well. De Blasio is the latest in a string of, of politicians who – has a name that is not the name with which he was born. Yeah, like Via
0: was Right. Via the mayor of Los Angeles, was was Via Villar. Villar, Villar, Villar. Villar and right? He, and he Villar, married a woman. He named and they made, he named himself Via And then,
2: and then, then he cheated they cheated on, divorced. Him, of yeah, but no, but so his name was Warren Wilhelm Jr. And his father, who was a very troubled man, committed suicide, and he took his mother's maiden name, which was de Blasio and changed his name to de Blasio in the, in the mid eighties and his name was Warren, but he became Bill. Okay. So that's number one, but we have the case of Bill Clinton who was born William Blythe. We have the case of uh, Gerald Ford who had a different birth name. We have the case of, as you say, Villa Ragosa. There is a, there is a history Right. Of American politicians swapping out their identities with name changes. Sometimes they do them themselves and sometimes it's done because of family shifts and alterations. But it is it is either a fundamentally American thing that people just sort of end up with a different name because they choose to. Or there's something else going on. That There's something about politics that attracts people who are seeking an identity and then they pick well, it. Like, Reagan, like Ronald Reagan, this, he didn't change his name. Ronald Reagan's name was Regan until 1964 when people thought that it sounded too Irish to say Regan. So they began calling Dick him Reagan. Cheney
1: was Cheney. Really?
2: <laughs> was, she, was what? It was Cheney?
1: Yeah, Cheney. it was. I mean yeah. there was a huge uh, confrontation with Tim Russert on, on Meet the Press with Dick Cheney where apparently everyone in Wyoming pronounces it Cheney. Cheney. I'm not making it up. OK, a, I, 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 missed I just want one, one historical footnote on this. Right. I mean, because this actually comes up in, in William Shire's rise and fall of the Third Reich. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot to believe that if Hitler hadn't changed his name from Schickelgruber <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. to Hitler because Heil Schickelgruber just doesn't have the same euphony. That, no, it you know, does not. It does not. But let's I, stick with America. <laughs>
0: Heil Schickelgruber. Yeah, it doesn't sound doesn't sound very good. All right, so um, uh, New York City's gone. I, I, I passed around a little. I, I sent to John a little picture I saw um, uh, last week on the Twitters that said uh, I had a picture of De Blasio and said, "If you like your city, you can keep your city." Oh, <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny. But now, speaking of, if you like your city, can you keep your city? Um, I don't think have I, we talked since the the giant um, huge fiasco of Obamacare and the launch and the rollout. We have not. Because I, I don't think we've had enough fun with this. This gets better and better every day. Uh, Kathleen Sebelius is sort of being roasted alive uh, in, in, in front of a, a House committee. Um, uh, uh, Jay Carney is snapping at liberal reporters who are <laughs> actually trying to lead him to something like uh, a good answer. Um, oh, that's uh, Brock. <laughs> Yesterday, he said, uh, No, you didn't let all those times I said, If you like your plan, you can keep it. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> I meant to say, I did say, If you like your plan, you can keep it as long as your plan still exists.
2: Rob, right? can't you just let him eat his waffle? <laughs> <laughs> just let him eat his waffle. The guy, what happened was he was eating, it. he stopped to eat his waffle, and then you didn't listen to the predicate. You didn't, finish. You didn't let me finish. You didn't let him finish. It's the actually an old, finish. um an old uh, vaudeville routine the best picture of the of the year and possibly the decade and the new century and the millennium is kathleen and out somewhere and some guy yeah hands her a copy of websites for dummies and there's a picture of her holding this copy of website for dummies that someone had just put in her hand it's one of the great stunts of all time. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's nothing like it, I got to say. Well, Uh,
1: actually, I am, you know, because I, a few years ago, I guess in 2007, wrote, uh, um, I would put it this way, one of my better um, Morganzo pieces for National Movie Magazine on why it proved God was a decent and kind God because of the Dan Rather scandal.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Rich asked me to do a similar piece for the magazine on um, <clears throat> why it's okay why it's okay for conservatives to gloat about the failures of Obamacare. Um, which actually, this podcast is keeping me from finishing. I just thought you should know. Well, uh, but come on, you're going to phone it in anyway. It is so hard to capture. It's like there's so there are more facets to it than a disco ball of the ways in which this is a fantastic story. I mean, I. I wake up with almost a Christmas morning glee yeah. as I race to the newspaper to see what has gone wrong for these guys next. And I, and and, and I, I take no, I make no. I mean, yes, it's terrible that you know people are losing their health care, and it's terrible that there are all these problems. But you know, um, these guys have been so arrogant for so long, right? Right. And as you know, in comedy, there's 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 nothing quite like the comeuppance of somebody who's smug and arrogant and that's what we're seeing and and i i I love it i mean i i just i I truly especially coming on the heels of the government shutdown and i know we don't want to get into all of that stuff again but the mere fact that barack obama had to have known he needed a delay yeah right and refused refused to give in to the crazy gop extremists and and wanted to have Basically, a 24 hour news cycle where everyone says he's a winner and he crushed the GOP before they find out that this (laughs) thing doesn't work was so short sighted and so stupid. I mean, it's just so wonderful and delicious. But
0: but that's, I mean, you just said the the key word, I think, stupid. I mean, uh, can we now finally retire this myth that this guy is smart? I mean, th- this was just idiotic to not think two steps ahead and to not realize that 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 it was all going to come crashing down. I mean, this guy more than De Blasio right now. Anyway, I mean, all De Blasio did was convert an angry black lesbian. Um, you know, John, you've done some of that. She yourself. might have been a
1: cheerful black lesbian. Oh, yeah. No, but she was angry. I've yeah. gone the other way. But yeah. here's, here's wait, 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 what?
2: what? Yeah. No, no. You know, you've had the opposite comes... effect on women. I, I. I... Many decades ago, <laughs> I <already know> <laughs> many decades ago, I I do have to confess that I had a couple of girlfriends who, after we dated, uh-huh. uh, a year later, was like, hey, funniest thing, I now I'm with a woman.
1: So you're like the Which, last
2: exit to lesbianism. He, I... I I will not interpret it. That's for my fans to interpret. Um, and I can't believe I'm talking. About this. But, so Did that uh, episode of Seinfeld really kind of hit home? So either 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 there were there was never going to be anything better than me, or uh, the opposite. So yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, I can we move time. on? Can we move on? Because I thought we were talking about <laughs> this Rock is all politics, on. John. It's all politics. Okay. Um, all right. So, now, wait. Here's my favorite part uh, personal of all this. Politic. Here's my favorite part about all this is they pass the bill, right? And somebody says, you know, maybe we want somebody in here to uh, run this thing who knows how it, you might get up to speed creating an entitlement that is going to cover, oh, 275 million people might be a good idea to have some, bring someone in with some management experience because apparently every one of these 275 million people is going to have to enter this system through the web. So maybe we should make sure the website doesn't crash. And, you know, in order for this to work, that Department of Health and Human Services, which already administers Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid and is therefore kind of busy when it comes to doing things for hundreds of millions of people. Not only does it have to go through the Department of Health and Human Services, but the Department of Health and Human Services has to be in touch with the IRS, which also is kind of busy dealing with 320 yeah. million people. Prosecuting and they have to be able to talk punishings. to each yeah. other. They have to be able to talk to each other because the IRS needs to know whether you've signed up for the individual mandate because if you haven't, the IRS then, of course, punishes you with a fine or a tax, depending on right. where you stand on that day of the Supreme Court argument, uh, whether, it's a man, whether it's a tax or a penalty or a mandate. Um, and so these two organizations, which have no connection – computer-wise have to be able to talk to each other automatically dealing with information on hundreds of millions of people maybe right. Right. somebody who knows how computers work might be hired for this task maybe <laughs> well, we should drop a chart maybe we should drop serious. a chart that would that? right maybe we should drop a chart that will explain how this will all connect and according to the new york times somebody said See if we drop a chart, the Republicans are going to make fun of us. Right? They're they going to take. They the remember. Chart.
0: They remember that chart that Bob Dole used years and years ago, twenty right. years ago now almost, to to scuttle Hillary Care. He showed right. an org chart of the of and that, that was the response. I believe it was a response to to, to Clinton's State of the Union that year. He showed. Uh, uh, his response was he just showed a chart, and I remember it was a great performance. He said, "You yeah, got this thing over here," and then he turned the camera. and Says, "I don't know where you and I are around here. Well, I think we're somewhere down here at the bottom." And that was like a bullet <laughs> yep. in the brain of, a, of Hillary Care. Right. And that's right, but like it just—I think Jonah's correct. I mean, Jonah, how do you get? I mean, do, do you believe there'll be a moment, a come to Jesus moment, from anybody in that administration or in the media bubble that licks little acolytes who surround them to say, "Hey, wait a minute." we really we really blew this and here's here's why or how i mean because my theory is my working theory is this is the end of the obama administration essentially it's over um they can't do anything anyway in the house uh this was their only only hope it's a total disaster uh everyone hates it you got 9 million people who are now uh you know sort of facing sticker shock in the early days that's not going to go down it's only going to go up um isn't this the end Well. I- Maybe. I mean, I. I, I oh, well, yeah, take a stand, maybe. Well, yeah. no, 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 but you
1: never know what these guys are. It seems to me the more interesting thing, and I guess maybe because this is where I'm going in my piece, is that, you know, hubris, right, which is this Greek word for um, arrogance, where mortals think they're like God.
0: I thought it was right? that chickpea stuff you put in a pita. Uh,
1: it's that, too. And the, you know, so what, what people forget about hubris is it's not just arrogance. It's it's this belief that the rules of reality don't apply to you, right? And there's something really, really weird in what's going on with Obama, right? I mean, forget that on September 25th, six days before the quote unquote rollout, the square wheeled rollout of Obamacare, um, he was out there saying this is six day, five days before it rolls out, right? Saying it's going to work just like kayak or Amazon. <laughs> right, I mean, I hate kayak. Not, by the way, <laughs> not even a full week, and <laughs> he's promising awful. people he's overpromising this thing. Right? He's you can shop on it like you do for flights yeah. on kayak, blah, 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 and and so fine. Okay, maybe his staff lied to him. Right? Maybe he was just deluded by poor staff work and didn't know truly how bad this thing was going to be. Three weeks after the thing is rolled out. Right. Three weeks after, where he goes and does his sham wow routine in the Rose Garden, um, where he now knows that on the first day that, of this thing, six people signed up. Six. Not 6,000 <laughs> or 60,000. Six. And you know, he knows this thing is, is a complete fuster club. He knows now, this thing's just. I not have working.
0: to say, if you are listening to this podcast and you are not a member of Ricochet.com, we'd like you to join. If you were listening to it and you are at www.ricochet.com, you probably every now and then have noticed that uh, the site moves kind of slow. We operate on a content management system uh, that was sort of supposed to be really great. turned out it wasn't that good. We're shifting it over in the next couple of weeks. It's going to get better. But I, I, you know, we, we, if we opened with six – I mean our little company had six. Uh, I get calls from investors and people saying, "Hey, wait, uh, what are you guys doing wrong?" I mean, yeah. <laughs> six I mean, is a six is a is a comedy number. Okay, but so know, he if, knows- if, if, if Ted Cruz or Rush Limbaugh had said, uh, "You know, he's going to kick off with six members," we would go, "Oh, you know, you guys, come on."
1: Well, Saturday Night Live basically said it. They said yeah. it only works for six people at a time. But so anyway, he knows all this, and he goes up and he uh, he tells millions of Americans. If you're having if you're if you're experiencing delays on the website, which doesn't work, you can always call the operators and they can take your applications over the phone. It only takes 25 minutes. He had to know that wasn't true either. And yet, Well he, no. It is what do you how
2: dare you? <laughs> I heard Jay Carney yelling at Jonathan Carl for four minutes. Why? Because Jonathan Carl said Jay, you know, the president said you can sign up, it'll take 25, call on the phone, it'll take 25 minutes. And now we know that all of those applications have to go into the same system and they're not going to register. And Carney said, John, how, what are you talking about? The president's right. You call up and you get someone on the phone and they take the application information and they fill it out for you. And that, and and you don't you don't have to do it on the website. And then Carl says, "But, but they but do, Jay. But Jay, they're not. The information isn't going into the website. It's just going on a piece of paper. And then at some point, it has to go into the website, and the website's not working. How does anybody know if they're signed up or not? And going and, into the website and, means means shop for prices, which they can't do. Right. Well, not right. only that, but not only that, but here's a great idea. You start a call center in Kankakee, right? The call center is sitting there. They're getting phone calls from people. It takes, first, first of all, it takes 25 minutes to fill out a paper Is that where the call site is, by the way? Is that what the call Who site is? Who knows where it is? I, I wish it were in Bangalore, but it probably isn't. Anyway, so they're filling this thing out, right? It takes 25 minutes to fill out a form because they're saying, okay, what's your social security? They're reading it back, The blah, 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 this and that. Then the form this call along could with be recorded 5 million for quality other- insurance purposes.
0: Right. Please take a short. Please take a short survey after this call,
2: <laughs> and the form goes into an inbox. where it's sitting there waiting español, for someone. La que dos. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. I, actually, I think they start in Spanish. Yeah, you know, because sure. the Hispanic outreach is really right. very important. Anyway, here's the key: is that then the form goes on into an inbox, waiting for someone else to input it onto the broken website, right? Here's a great idea. Why not leave everybody's uh, private information in a a call center in an inbox? That's really (laughs) secure. You know, that's a really great system. So you're calling somebody on the phone and you're giving him all of your personal information. He's hired as some temporary employee at a call center by the federal government. What's to keep him from taking your social security number and going to the track with it? What's <laughs> to take what's to keep it from using your social security number well, like, they screen these
0: people very carefully like Edward Snowden and the I mean, IRS guys I mean, they screen I them they're, they're, they have to go through a four point system
2: I mean the whole point of a website and you're filling information out on the website is that you're filling it out so that no one else sees it right Boy, the, those six
0: people must feel very vulnerable right now <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> like we, can't, we know everything, you know but then everything. There are those this. two other great details, like the one detail about the guy who fills out the information. Then he starts getting phone calls from you know yeah. like third party people saying, "Hey, I hear you signed up for Obamacare." It's like, uh, how do you know that? That's supposed to be private. Number one, number two was Jim Angle. You still have calls a discharge, up. yeah. Oh, the Jim Angle thing was weird. Yeah, Jim now, did, Angle. Do we have Jim any- Angle? of Fox News calls to you know essentially on a, on the Fox News line, which is. Which is blocked ID to do, you know, to sort of inquire about the system, and they know who he is now. So they have an override on caller ID. Yeah,
0: maybe at the call maybe center. Yeah, it said I have Saren in there, and they just knew. <laughs> um, all right, I mean, so how? So okay, so I and I'm, I'm I mean I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this. How long are we going to enjoy that? What's this going to do? How is this going to work? Can we oh, This is long, too
1: – yeah. Okay. Long, is, long
2: time.
0: Are, the, are, are Is this midterm stuff?
2: Well, I mean oh, yeah. look. The only way it's not midterm stuff is if what they're saying is true and they can fix the website by December. Right. If the website is fixed by December – Obama and his people are right. This will all fade and, we'll, and people will start saying, oh, it was just the Republicans sabotaging it and they're all they were doing is rooting for its failure and all of that. They're already saying it's not going to be fixed by December, they're, by the end of no, – they're saying it will work for the vast majority of people. I don't know what that means. None of us knows what that means.
1: Well, there's, well, a,
2: there's a guy out there called vast majority. And right, and then the work, second
0: you – know, right? Yeah, okay. Then, the Reverend so, vast majority. So wait a minute. So Jonah, if, if just assume it, were, just assume they fixed the website. Don't they still have to deal with all the people who are now looking at sticker shock?
1: Yeah, no, there's a great – uh, this is a sentence you're not going to hear often from me. There's a great clip from Al Jazeera <laughs> um, where it's up <laughs> on the <laughs> – Sorry. <laughs> um, where the, the – do a piece on the exchange in Colorado where I guess their website is actually working. Okay. And they talk to one of these navigators and they ask her, how many people have you signed up? And she says so far zero, everyone comes in and then leaves because of the sticker shock. And the sticker shock is only going to get worse. Right. Um, I mean, not, not for Medicaid and not for some of these bronze plans, but that's going to expose another of the Obama lies, which was this idea that it was going to bend the cost curve down if everybody just signs up for either these essentially free bronze plans that for low-income people um, or for Medicaid, uh, the whole thing goes tits up pretty quickly. And that so far, that looks like what's happening.
0: Hmm. That's um, exciting. So that's exciting for the midterms for us, don't you think?
2: Oh yeah. Well, it's but you know the. The other part of this is they knew that too. So I I was at an off-the-record thing with a former administration official who was being off-the-record sour about things. And But the point that you have to understand is that they are – that this desideratum, the desideratum of a universal healthcare system is so ingrained in the – Consciousness right. of liberals in the Democratic right. Party right. that it is unlikely that there will even be the kind of disloyal, crazy people like Larry Wilkinson, Colin Powell's former chief of staff, who came out and said, you know, everybody was lying about Iraq and blah, 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 because uh, there was, you know, genuine disagreement in the Republican Party and in certain foreign policy circles about how far to go with Iraq but in the democratic party there is no argument except the argument from obamacare being on the right to single payer being on the left right, right about the need for this so what there isn't going to be is somebody saying i told them they didn't listen you know this is a disaster except their people are now saying it's a disaster because they see where the rollout problems are but ordinarily you would get some internal critic emerging and saying, "You know, this was a disaster from the get-go. We can't do this. The federal government doesn't yeah, have the capacity get that. to do this." Thing.
0: Well, I mean, is this all That's kind of a is this all kind of a trick? Is he tricking us into like accepting single payer? I mean, I've seen that. Some people have said oh, this is a trick.
1: I don't know how that works. Let's, let's you know the the path to single payer with Obamacare, and I've been saying for a while. First of all, Obamacare was always designed to fail, just not this quickly, <laughs> right? right? And so the problem is, if it fails, I mean, if it, if it literally face plans like a dead horse, still, you know, right. at the starting gate, you don't, go, you don't get to single player, payer that way. I mean, you may get to this crazy expanded Medicaid and all that kind of stuff. The whole point to get to single payer was to show that this approach worked
0: and fill yeah, in the gaps with right. more
1: government. 10 and,
0: years down the line, you're supposed to say, well, it's a great system, but of course it's broke, so let's go to single payer.
2: Right. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, first of all, the reason that we don't have single payer is that, uh, you know, it is so um, violative of the essential nature of the American political experiment that it could never have been introduced the way it was introduced in England and, and, and Canada, but, and Israel and other places. But the simple fact of the matter is that single payer makes more sense than this. That is to say, A, it's un, unabashedly constitutional. You just pass. You know, a national entitlement, um, and effectively, right. it's simpler because you say plainly, "Okay, every doctor works for the government." Mm-hmm. Yep. Now na- wait, you're nationalizing so- healthcare. Every doctor works for the government, and there we are. So, so, so wait,
0: so Israel, Israel is a uh, I didn't know Israel single payer. Israel single payer. Yeah, Israel payer. That must be really expensive. That's a na- nation of hypochondriacs, right?
2: Where. Right. No, I mean, what it is. Is what it is? Is it ration care? <laughs> right. It's right, Extremely, it's extremely ration care. Like everywhere else, there's single payer, which is one but of the is. reasons we couldn't have single payer.
1: But it's not. But, but, it, but John, just a factual question: is, is 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 it single payer where you can't go to a private doctor, or is it single payer that all you know? You know, what I mean, is there a, is there a private market for doctors too? on no, top of the no
2: there 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 is a private black market for doctors but there is no private market for doctors hmm. i mean it's in that sense it's you know it's a single it's a classic single payer system but my point but first of all like all these places it's a lot small you know israel's got you know 7 million citizens canada's got 23 million citizens you know britain is you know the largest with what i think it's 88 million or something like that or 69 million i can't remember and you know, again, we're talking about the United States. This is where you know we have 50 states, we have you know 3,300 3, counties, we have 320 million people. I mean, the, even the notion that you could figure out new ways to regulate the entirety of this market—a sixth of the national economy—is demented. I mean, it's demented. And then you read, you know, you read stuff like. Uh, when you read the Obama speech, which I, which I commend to everybody that Jonah mentioned, the one he delivered on September 25th in, in Maryland, and it's like, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. You're getting right. this. We're giving that. We're giving you this. We're giving you that. There is a point at which even if you're not us, you've got to say, who's paying for all of this? Who is paying for right. all of this? I mean we're giving it to you like it's like it's like it's free candy but it isn't free candy and that's the thing that people are like wait a minute I'm a 62 year old male I have to pay for maternity I have to pay for ob- for obstetrical care in my plan that doesn't make any sense you know and that's like well yes it does because if you you pay for maternity care so someone will pay for your kidney cancer it's like well that's not how risk pools work. risk pools work not that everybody is at risk of everything at all times right that's not that's right. th- this this notion itself doesn't make logical sense even in terms of the way people think about this so I mean, I think it, they will they will dodge a bullet in other words, the calamity will be lessened if they fix the website, but you guys well, are right but that, well, that again. That- that, that's always the problem with these dudes, right? They're, they're always on the
0: website, the idea It's very ossified and old, frankly. I mean, it, it, is, it is It is. a classic example here that this old 1973 version of of, of a healthcare system moving towards single payer. I mean, that's when all the stuff was basically conceived, right? Some – this is back when de Blasio's wife was still listening to Laura Nero records, right? This is like <laughs> old stuff, right? <laughs> um and,
2: and I think the idea here is Joan Armatrading. Joan, Joan Armatrading. Arma Trading. <laughs> I, 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 I like Joan right. Armatrading. I love Joan, Joan Armatrading.
0: Arma Arma. Yeah, she's great. Um, you know, if you were if you
2: were a woman in the, in the nineteen eighties, you were issued a Joan Armatrading album. Well, you that's know, true. when you went to get your when yeah. you went to get birth control,
1: or if you went to, or if you were birth birth. on your way to being turned into a lesbian by John. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. It's one or the other. No, that was Annie DeFranco. You've got your you've, Please get your citations <laughs> right. Annie DeFranco. Was, was
1: that the scene in your goodie bag for thank you for turning into a lesbian
0: party? <laughs> a copy of John's book and, <laughs> and uh, an Annie DeFranco disc. All right. That's the subtext of It's a Hell of a Ride. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I will be planning. You guys, you guys have now ignited my long-term right. revenge plan. I, I would like <laughs> to say
0: – I'll, I'll my, finish my thought. This is old-fashioned thinking. The idea that it's a website is an idiotic thing. It is a marketplace, a function It – it is it's an application. They built a piece of software. They didn't build a website. That's, it's not a blog. It's not like Squarespace. Uh, you know, they offered them, you know, uh, help. They they, they built a, a a function. They built a piece of software that makes calculations and connects data and does things that a website doesn't do. So it's this kind of weird, ossified old man way of looking at it. It is as old man as the as we all make fun of saying the interwebs, right? This 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 administration is ancient in Outlook and ancient. In in execution, it's old and everybody there. To me, the irony: they they act so hip and young, but they are. It's Bob Hope in a hippie wig. This is the oldest thing on TV, Uh, and and I don't know why nobody else gets it. But speaking of that, like, all right, we do have you know they compared to other things. We do have a a a a cultural phenomenon that started that had some rocky technological issues called Twitter. That's going to have their IPO this week. you bo- Jonah, I know you're like a Twitter like superstar, right? You're like gigantic Twitter very- Yes, but has like- he
2: turned women lesbian? That's the question. <laughs> and Jonah you may, you may praise Jonah for his Twitter numbers, I but I got him beat even. on turning women lesbian. You don't know by that. At least two.
0: We don't know that. Wow. Okay. Wait, it's up to two?
1: No, I'm not saying.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Um, uh, uh,
1: uh, uh,
0: all right. <laughs> wow
1: it's hard um, to it's hard to crawl back from that isn't it Rob?
0: yeah it really is <laughs> so so i mean how 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 much has this changed culture and politics and media how much has it changed the way we think about things i mean obviously it's destroyed political careers it's just it gotten people fired um it's certainly gotten people hired i know there are people who tweeted well and then some some somehow found themselves with a tv show um didn't last but i've seen it so how big is this? How
1: big is this now? How big is it gonna be? Um, you know, frankly, I, I don't know. I haven't made up my own mind about Twitter. I find it because of my sort of ADD and all of that, uh, it is a form of useful procrastination. Um and it's a and it, it, it it's had a real downside, you know, in in some respects, just in my little universe in terms of you know, National Review Online, because the The corner, which was you know the herb blog of of its kind um, was a great place to sort of run away to and riff and tell jokes in and right. now the place where that happened the creative energy for that to happen is all in Twitter and it's so ephemeral and it, it doesn't last very long and it sort of punishes people with smaller followings because uh you can't really i mean like you can you just can 't get your stuff out there um. But it just—it's it, it sort of—it's still nonetheless because it's so immediate and, and all that. You know, John had a very good column in the Post a couple of weeks ago about the the darker side of Twitter addiction and how it kind
3: of kind of
1: destroys people. And I, and I think we're just going to see more and more of that, particularly as Vine becomes more and things like it, which is basically yeah. the video version of Twitter or Instagram. Um, when people can, I mean, I, I just. Thinking about how much drunk dialing I did in my youth, Um, (laughs) the idea of drunk vining, which you know, uh, it's just dangerous. Yeah,
2: you know that all the women that you were drunk dialing were with other women. (laughs) Well, not yet. I just want to. No, they were then. I mean, that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to explain. He was drunk dialing, and they were like, "No, Jonah, go to bed. Come on," (laughs) because they were with women. That's all I'm saying.
1: Why? That's uh, why I was begging to come over.
2: (laughs) <laughs> now, I think the key to understanding Twitter is that Twitter has changed everything, and in four years, we will no longer remember what Twitter was. I don't know what's going to replace it, but Wait, that's really? the way – that's the way of the world, isn't it? I mean these How? things go – these things get these things get uh, superseded and supplanted. But,
0: well, not really. I mean look, it, it's, it's a – I mean uh, Facebook hasn't. Facebook keeps growing. Um, t- t- I mean I, I think Twitter is more like – radio or television in that it's a it's a gigantic multi-user platform that continually right. refreshes itself um that is incredibly uh you know Twitter makes money Twitter Twitter is extremely attractive to advertisers it's going to be an 11 plus billion dollar IPO that's not it's not
2: a bubble oh, number Twitter doesn't quite know how to make money that's what's interesting is well, that no, it's they got, do they do they No they, no, no it's it. got 200 million users from what i read it's got 200 million users and it made 600 million dollars that means that you have an average of three three dollars per user, which is an incredibly small number, relatively speaking. But you're if, the, if those numbers are accurate, so and how you how what what's amazing about Twitter is that it harnesses the power of groupthink. Right, that is, it creates groupthink, it directs it, it leads to groupthink. So, if there was some way that you could figure out how to make money off it, but the introduction of advertising. Interrupts the 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 creation of the groupthink, so it's a little confusing, and I'm not sure they know yet. But uh, but um, I I don't know. Okay, so let's say it isn't superseded. I mean, part of what part of what it is is it's a it's a it's a it's a new kind of information delivery system um, that then also involves you know jokes and it has it involves everything. I think of it as like a. 24-hour, seven-day week, 365-day year virtual cocktail party, and you can go in and out whenever you want to, and that's very seductive. Um, But, you know, they're already figuring out hierarchies, like whether or not there's going to be some kind of super Twitter where you know, people like uh, Jonah with eight hundred billion followers are allowed I don't to have talk. To, to, I, I, I have a hundred and one thousand followers. I'm about to pass thirty, but you know. Do you notice that?
0: Is, do, you, do, you, do you notice that? Does it feel different to you, Jonah, when you tweet something? You know, a hundred thousand people are going to potentially going to see it
1: that minute. No, it really. So far, it really doesn't. And I would say, in part, because I bet you the people who are online at any given time that. I, that that will yeah. move it around and all that kind of stuff are the same people that John that John has with thirty thousand followers you know about a third of Twitter accounts are inactive um, and for all I know another third of my followers are are and are are Twitter bots with you know these fake accounts i don 't know um, uh, so far i've not every time that 's why i 've been having this long running joke you know every every couple days I'll have I'm only 50 followers away from 90,000 at which point you know so, and then I fill in the blank with some ridiculous thing right. and then it never turns out to be true because I've yet to figure out what I get for having all of these followers and I kind of it's one of these things that it matters to people who measure metrics but people who measure metrics um, have kind of gotten to the are sort of in their own bunker and they only care about metrics for metrics sake rather than actual impact does that, make
0: you feel, does that make you feel better, John, that your, your puny number of uh, Twitter followers is basically the same as, as Jonah's enormous number? <laughs>
2: you know, Did you say I, number? I, I think that just, <laughs> my, that just means that my, uh, my, my impact is, uh, is greater and as, as, uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. sure. his impact is much less. Now, here's the other interesting thing. I know somebody, a journalist who has like a, mi- a million and a half followers, an early Twitter person. And I said to him, how did this happen? He said, well, what happened was I, you know, was on Twitter early and then in 2009 or something, 2010, Time listed me as one of the 25 Twitter feeds to follow. And in the next three days, I got a million new followers and I'm sure every, every single one of them is a robot, you know. So right. almost all of them are fake, or they're robots, or they're doing. You know, all they're trying to do is sweep words that I use to find out whether or not I'm going to mention their site or you know their topic, and then I, they can retweet it with a link to their product or something like that. So so there's a lot of you know there's a lot of passive electric stuff as as uh, you know
0: sort of passive. So All right. Stuff. So is the entire market crazy? Eleven billion dollar valuations. That's is
2: that insane? You know it's pretty insane, except for the fact that before it's the classic thing in in, in, uh, in, in stock buying, right? Which is, it's insane uh, except if it's in a growth period and they the stock sells and it continues to grow for two years. Whoever buys the stock early and then can lay it off, you know, at a ten percent gain, will have you know will have done crazy well. And then if it tanks, it tanks later, and it's the last fool holding the stock who will suffer. Um, of course, the Facebook IPO was kind of a disaster in that regard. It came out and then it didn't sell what it was supposed to sell and blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't know. I mean it's – because that was supposed to be like a $35 billion stock valuation or something. Well, I'll, 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 go, on, I'll go on record.
0: I think it's, it's going to be uh, a, 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 a big IPO. It's going to – they're going to price the right number, the what number they want, and, um, which is high. And uh, it's a great stock. I think it's a great company.
2: Okay, now I want to bring up an interesting cultural matter for the two of you. Um, I'm sure Jonah uh, knows about this, and that you know Rob may know less. But the but the movie version of the um, of the uh, sort of celebrated science fiction novel Ender's Game opened this week, um, and it did okay. It it did, was number one at the box office with 27 million dollars, but it cost 100 million, and it was supposed it's supposed to be the start of a of a uh, franchise and that number is too low for it probably to start a franchise. So it may basically end up earning out and being even and then going nowhere. It's not a very good movie in my opinion. Um, But the interesting thing, of course, there's a big cultural controversy six months beforehand because the author of the novel Orson Scott Card um, is a vociferous opponent of gay marriage and so – uh, he he wrote some stuff in 2012 about gay marriage and 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 how it was being foisted on everybody and how people of conscience who oppose it are going to be forced to suffer it and you know he was called a bigot and a monster and people started talking about boycotting the movie and 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 all of that um, and the director attacked him and the screenwriter who was actually also the director attacked him and and there was Orson Scott Card the monster the bigot the horror person now. The weird thing about this is that Ender's Game, as a novel, is one of the single most comedy things I've ever written.
0: He made it big
2: single most what things? Commie, total commie. I see commie cultural relativistic <laughs> crap. Yeah, because it's a book about how the human race is being threatened by this you know group of uh, uh, by these bugs who nearly killed everybody fifty years earlier with an attack on on the Earth. And uh and they've decided that they want to figure out a way to preemptively attack so that so that they're not attacked again. And it turns out basically not, spoiler alert, so shut it off, you know what, blah, blah. It turns out that they the bugs didn't know what they were doing. And so when the when when the Earth people kill all the bug kill the planet of the bugs, they've committed genocide, xenocide, as it's called. Uh, In the book, and they're monsters, not heroes, because they the bugs didn't mean to do it. They didn't understand that 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 humans were sentient. They just thought they were going to a depopulated planet, and so everybody's a monster. So I just think it's funny that Orson Scott Card is now the history's biggest monster because he opposes. Because he opposes gay marriage, but in fact he wrote this book that is one of the key works of cultural relativism of our time. And neither of you has anything to say. So come up say something about lesbianism now.
1: <laughs> Jonah have you read these books? Or no, I never this... read Enders Game. I read I okay. oh my so...
2: God. Well, I only read it this year because of the con- because of the controversy, and that, that yeah. book is not so bad. The ones that follow it are just dreadful. So is the do you think it are even worse? Is it is
0: it the 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 the? Did the boycott have anything to do with its 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 belly
2: flop? Uh, no, because it didn't really belly flop. It's it, it has about the audience that it should have, and it's actually pretty badly made. And that the conclusion, which is the you know the big surprise revelation that the that the bugs that that this kid who is training to be a soldier, yeah. it turns out, is actually leading the war. That ends up killing, you know, ends up creating this. this genocide. Um, and then there's another 20 minutes where they explore, where the big shift oh, happens, where you learn oh, the yeah. bugs are me, and it's very hard to follow if you haven't read the. I book.
0: I can't even follow your explanation of it. I just, I, know. I know. Well, there you go. At you some know, point, why? I just, just kind of like there's uh,
2: bugs and a kid, and there's a spaceship, sister, brother. Too much, too much. Blah blah
1: blah. Like a sequel to uh, Starship Troopers. Uh, um,
2: that movie I like. Uh, That's Starship. a good movie. No, but this is like the anti-Starship Troopers, right? And Starship Troopers, basically, you're supposed to go and kill the bugs, all right? got go to the right. bug planet. Although, although it's funny you say that because
1: there's an argument about Starship Troopers that, you know, I mean, the book is pretty fascistic in an interesting way. Um, you know, everyone lives sort of decent lives in this incredibly militaristic society and organization that doesn't end up being terrible. And normally the thing in the West, you know, post Nazism is that militarism always has to lead to something terrible. And in the book, it kind of really doesn't. But in right. the movie, it's so ironic, right? I mean, it, it, there's, and I don't mean I, I mean I mean ironic in the more literal sense, that there's all of this borrowing of fascist imagery, fascist uniforms. Fantastic and, outfits.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah,
1: and, and the message in the movie is that is it, it's much more ambiguous. It's like, what's, what was the name of the guy who directed it? Van Husen? Verhoeven, Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven. Clearly hated the book and was trying to do a sort of semi-send-up of the book um, to sort of show the the flaws in this. And I think a lot of people, including me, didn't care about the ironic detachment and actually just loved humanity getting together to kick some bug ass. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Um, But I think he thought he was being more clever about it. It's an old
0: George uh, Bernard Shaw moment. He was at a party and he told some lady, he said – a comedy is the sugar that I coat the bitter pill of socialism for my audiences to swallow. And she said, well, then how clever of the audience is to lick the sugar off and leave the pill unswallowed.
2: <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking of this whole point, uh, have, has either of you seen Captain Phillips? That's the Tom Hanks movie about the Somali pirates who hijacked the –
0: No, the, I, the minute uh, I thought uh, he sh- wasn't one of the pirates, I didn't want to see it.
2: <laughs> anyway, I it's, think a, grabs- it's a – It's a very good movie, but so it's a movie about these pirates kidnap this, you know, take over the ship and kidnap this 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 captain and all that. That's all it's about. And they're Somali pirates, and they're not they're not portrayed as you know monsters. They're you know they're 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 gangster kids, and they get in over their head, which is basically the story. So I'm reading. So after I see it, I read a couple of reviews, and Manola Dargis in the New York Times and race other people say this is a coruscating look. At the ravages of global capitalism, because apparently the Somali pirates, being poor, what? have to then go and you know uh, kidnap American tanker ships, <laughs> uh, content cargo you know uh, cargo ships. Um, now, this point is not made in the movie. Uh, the movie's made by a very left-wing director, Paul Greengrass, but he—but there is nothing in the movie to support this notion that somehow, simply because the pirates are, you know, characterized as something a little more interesting than just, you know, mustache-twirling villains to make it a more interesting movie, uh, therefore it's a portrait of the ravages of global capitalism. So basically, this is just movie critics being jerks, which is not all that uncommon.
0: Yeah. also, also container shipping is the single I believe container shipping is the single greatest invention of the twentieth century. Container shipping was more transformative to world wealth and health and, 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 and the and quality of life around the world than any other thing, probably even more than 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 penicillin or antibiotics. Container shipping is simply the the great the, the, the greatest event of the twentieth century, more than computers.
2: And, well, uh, this is a 21st century movie, uh, Rob, and you know <laughs> yeah, you right. believe in the ravages of global capitalism. You're proving I love that. Like people Jarvis's always say point. that
0: stuff. I love people that say that, like as if the people in Somalia were were somehow better off 40, 50, 60 years ago. Like just because it's crappy now doesn't mean it was better before. It means it was even crappier before.
1: Well, no, Somalia is a bad. I, mean, I agree with yeah. the point entirely in general, but. Somalia is a bad case because it probably really was better oh. off. Well, it wasn't a just failed state. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like a, well, it was
2: whatever it was. In
1: the, in, was. In, in the early um, 90s, when I first moved to Washington, some buddies of mine and I, we coined the phrase the tequila sunrise syndrome. And it was in honor of I can't remember who the critic was, um, but he was the critic for the, was the movie critic for The Nation who went on this tear about how a pretty terrible movie, Tequila Sunrise with, with I love Tequila
2: Sunrise, don't you be trashed in it, go
1: ahead. And Kurt Russell, that the entire movie was about their um, barely concealed, but therefore all the more obvious homosexual attraction for each other. And that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was just eye candy and that this is mm-hmm. all really a, a gay love story. It, it sort of, it was, this, was, this will be known for other historians if, if, if the nation yeah. could have known it. This was the prequel to Brokeback Mountain. And we were like, I saw that movie. I don't remember any of that. Well,
0: and The question is, did either one of those characters ever at any point date John
1: Podoritz?
2: Because he apparently <laughs> Jonah, has <the> magical powers. <laughs> Jonah, you forget. You forget. That I just, in one of our first conversations when you were a very young man in Washington. Yes, I know. I know. Where you're going. I destroyed. I, I destroyed your enjoyment of Miller's Crossing.
1: Momentarily, until I, as I what? matured and grew more confident, I realized John Peretz can be wrong. I, <laughs> argue, you're wrong I argue wrong about I argue that the central
2: movie. fact of Miller's Crossing. Is that the Gabriel Byrne character is in love with the Albert Finney character? That is my there. There is oh. a mystery at the heart of that movie, which is you don't quite understand what is motivating right. the Gabriel Byrne character and and why he so easily sort of betrays his girlfriend, does all sorts of stuff, and that a lot of it has to do with his. Surpre- now I'm not somebody who reads gay themes into everything, but I'm pretty sure right about them. this. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I don't I, I love that all gay themes. Well
2: look
0: John, that I have the so that. We'll, phrase, What's the rumpus? He keeps saying, What's
1: the rumpus? What's I the rumpus? Per- yeah. I am perfectly willing to concede that in Miller's Crossing, that Gabriel Byrne has a deep and abiding affection for Albert Finney. I don't dispute that at all. I don't know why you gotta go and gay it up. I mean, why can't it well, be that it's what he, he does. It's what he does,
0: Jonah. It's what he does. Marcia, you can't help it.
1: It's his superpower. Gay Hart, Marcia, you are the king Gay of my sexuality. Marcia, every time. I, <laughs> her today. I just
2: want to point out that the character played by Marsha Gay Harden. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Did you go with her it's too? Rage at the Gabriel Byrne character, because even though she loves him, he does not love her, and it's not clear why. And he remember what does he do? What does he do that sets the entire plot into motion? He does not assassinate her gay brother.
3: Right,
0: right. Uh, um, played by played um, by John
2: Truturo. John Turturro. Right. Be, He's like, like, look into your heart. Look into your heart. You can't do it. Look into your heart. Remember that's that. a great scene. That's that's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the John Turturro character is him, that's why he can't kill him because he is John Turturro, and really I rest the case. Now you know, I I recall and Joe having written about uh, Tequila Sunrise. That's a that, that's a movie about high school buddies, not about you know. I can, but I do recall games. having this conversation with John
0: Pedowitz about this movie. It was twenty years ago. You were you were going out with Meredith Baxter at the time, weren't you? I wish. <laughs> Wait, or, or was it? Or was it Martina Navratilo? I can't remember who you were squiring around town those days. You're swinging bachelor times there, John. It was somebody like that. I can't remember. Was it
3: uh,
0: Donna Shalala? Uh, well, you, you could have, have, have a beer back. Right? <laughs> right? Don, Donna Shulela, was it? I don't, I, don't oh, I, don't I don't remember. I don't remember. Sorry. I don't remember. But I remember having a fun time at dinner at that uh, vegan place that you made us go to. That your girlfriend made us go to. <laughs> And she had, she was wearing big clunky shoes. It was great. Oh.
1: Great dinner. Talked about that. Too. Oh. <laughs> or overalls. Overall, so had a tool
2: she belt. Had,
0: yeah, yeah. She was great. Boy, and I'll tell you one thing. Uh, she fixed my flat tire like that.
2: <laughs> I never. I, I'm sorry. I always went for the lipsticks. I'm sorry, not the crunchies. I gotta tell you, you were the crunchy. Now, now uh, I was. <laughs> I was the Someone's got to be the crunchy, John. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this all took a turn I didn't expect. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> this like your old girlfriend. <laughs> 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 That's what she said. <laughs> oh.
0: um, well, I this coming. Well, tell us <laughs> we can't. We can't do better than this, so I think we should wrap uh, it up. I went least, on Friday night. I was. I went to. Uh, I was in San Francisco on Friday night for the. You
2: understand? Uh, I have children. I just want to point yeah. out that I have children. They are too young to listen to this podcast, but um, I believe that Ricochet. Uh, we'll be required to suppress this podcast <laughs> <laughs> well if the they future. get a little older if they get a little older we'll, I mean, uh, we'll want, erase it from the, the database format. i want the format to be incompatible with any future formats that well, my children may be able to listen to
0: luckily it will be that'll happen naturally um, listen it's not it's it's a uh, but we're now about uh, an hour into it we should probably wrap this up i was at a uh, cuz we can't do better than this you know i was at a um, pacific research institute dinner on friday night and it was a lot, a lot of fun. And Charles Krauthammer spoke and he was – he's a really funny dude actually, very, very funny. And at one point – I forget the joke. At one point, he was being sort of um, interviewed on stage and they're asking questions and he, he, he delivered an incredible laugh. It was really funny. And I was sitting in my, in my table and I was just saying out loud. I didn't realize I was saying it out loud, wrap it up, wrap it up. That's it. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Because my show business instincts were you were never going to get a bigger laugh than that. Um, Go. Now. Stop. And then the guy said, well, two more questions. And that was – you know you never going to get a big laugh like that. So I think we should wrap it up now that I've killed a laugh <laughs> talking about John, uh, John's ex-girlfriends.
1: Um, Jonah, where are you appearing? Where can we see you? Um, well, the most exciting and most important place is on November 20th. Right. You're having a fundraiser in Boston for National Review. Um, I will be there. Jim Garrity will be there. Rich Lowry will be there. Mark Stein um, will be there. Um, you can find out more details at the National Review online yes. store. And, and, then we'll, and we'll we'll post that link here at ricochet.com If you,
0: the, the, this is, I mean, I'm, it's killing me. I can't be there. I I, I wasn't invited, but it's killing me. That I can't be there. It's that's going to be a fun group. That's going to be a fun night.
2: Now I, I, I actually invited. Is, yes, that if like, if that's the problem. <laughs> I I I have to I have to admit that I actually have events to uh, to 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 tell you guys about.
0: Well, we're out of time. It's great
2: to talk to you, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week uh, on the twelfth of um, November, I will be in Detroit with uh, Michael Medved uh, and a couple of other people for the Jewish Policy Center. Um, and on the thirteenth in Philadelphia, again for the Jewish Policy Center, uh, uh, go to the go to Jewishpolicycenter.org to find out uh, uh, what's going on and where they are. Uh, As if that's not everyone's homepage. Ones in ones <laughs> ones in Southfield, Michigan, and ones in. Uh, One's in Wynwood, Pennsylvania, Temple Bethel. Anyway, it's, uh, it'll be a fun. It'll, it's fun. It's uh, dramatic. Uh, there will be no discussion of my uh, of my former girlfriends. And uh, oh. more 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 important, I will of course be at uh, at Chuckles and uh, in 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 West Nyack, New York. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy to report that I will be opening for Rip Taylor, uh, uh, who never turned any woman lesbian. I think it's I think fair to say.
3: That's
2: true. That's
0: true. So you could say the same about Rock Hudson, I suppose.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, well, uh. was,
0: it's been a lot of fun. It's um, uh, we're, we should we should do it again soon. Uh, there's lots happening. I think we should uh, the next time we should talk about a little bit about the uh, uh, how award what they call now awards season is shaping up, which is where. Uh, I get uh, – my, my mailbox is stuffed with screening notices and stuff when they're trying to, to position a what I think is pretty a pretty grim movie year for awards. But it will be sort of fun to talk about. And then um, we got some TV shows to talk about too. So I think we're a little bit behind on culture. Uh, we spent a little too much time earlier talking. OK,
2: quick. Watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's really good. That's the only thing I'll say. Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Fox. You like uh, it? I just, I, just, uh, I just watched five episodes in a row. It's great. It's really good. Hmm. I have not heard that about that show. Well, there you go. I've
0: heard other things about that show. So that's, I, I, I will
1: now watch that's it. That's what I'm Take it me. to the after party, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs>
2: that's
0: right. <laughs> um, uh, Jonah, John, good to talk to you. Talk to you soon. You okay.
3: Thanks. Bye. Never been near a university. Never been paper or a Conversation.